Constant Downpour Remastered is a retro sci-fi survival hex crawl where players traverse through a near-hopeless environment that slowly whittles away their sanity, made for use with the Mothership RPG. With original soundtrack by Blake Suarez taking inspiration from 80s Moog and Roland JD8 synthesizers and Metroid Prime Stranger Things and classic side-strollers all darkened to the theme of Constant Downpour. It's funding right now on Kickstarter, so hurry up over there and back it. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. This is your host, Light Light the Finger Thief, and here I'm joined by Logar the Barbarian. Hello, I'm Logar the Barbarian. So Logar the Bar- Barbarian, also Logar the Librarian, because we are walking our way through a new bestiary. The a folklore bestiary. This is from the Merry Mushman, and it's 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 they kickstarted it a while back. Uh, Eric from Merry Mushman was on here to talk about it a bit and we got some digital copies sent to us. We, I'm really excited about this. I love it. So I think we might even drop two episodes about it this week because we're trying to get through some of it. But there's no way we're getting through the whole thing. And I haven't even read the whole thing yet. So but... this is uh, part two. <laughs> part so go, two. And, go, go and listen to part one if you have it. But this is part two. As Logar mentioned, we may have a part three here in the future because this is such an incredible book. Well, what we should do is, since we're going to have physical copies on the table, we'll, we'll let's let's do this episode covering a little more, and then when the physical copies get here, it'll be a lot easier for me to sit on my couch and read, and we'll talk about it a little more then. So, I had a question from last episode on this mm-hmm. one. So, we had talked about the how the book was laid out in regards to the monsters being alphabetical order, but on different pages. Mm-hmm. So, why do you think it was organized that way? Oh, oh, um. I don't. So the 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 actual index is alphabetical order, but they're laid out in different pages. I assumed it was for aesthetics or layout, but was there something behind that? Is it done by author or? Yeah, that's what I'm curious about as well too, because you know traditional bestiaries and monster manuals are laid out in alphabetical order and then page numbers accordingly, but this one is laid out a little bit differently, where the monsters aren't laid out in alphabetical content page number order it's mm-hmm. mixed so i was curious why that was done that way i first i thought maybe it was by region that they were doing it by i don't think it was region, I but i could be wrong because it I, looked like the region is kind of skipped around yeah that's what it looked like as well too it looked like it was you know mostly in europe so i'm just curious why it was uh laid yeah, out I, that way i do not have an answer for why it was laid out that way um but I wanted to go on to so the last monster that we talked about is these we're still at the really beginning and I want to talk cover a few more of these was the Cabotur is that yep. how we pronounced it Yep. The next one that comes up is, is interesting. It's from the Basque Country. It's pronounced Tartaro, Taro, Tartaro, Tartaro. Yep, Tartaro. The Tartaros are one-eyed ogre shepherds roaming the wild hills and mountains of the. Pyrenees. Now, this is it gives you kind of a story, goes over them. They're they're shepherds. That's self-explanatory. And like all these entries kind of gives you a, a short fiction. So instead of like having to go through an appendix in to get an idea of what this is, it kind of gives its own appendix in with the monster for you to get that bit of fiction in there. 
and it comes with a lot of different suggestions. So the Tartaro, grotesque nine-foot humanoids of low to average intelligence with a single eye, long muscular arms, which they use to run, especially on steep terrain. Large heads, short bowed legs, expert at stone throwing. They roam remote mountain areas where they raise sheep and sometimes trade milk and cheese with other mountain dwellers, always hungry and particularly fond of human flesh, dressed in animal hides and sheep fleece. Now, this is interesting because they raise sheep, but they prefer eating humans. Mm-hmm. So they take so normal other creatures will come by and eat your sheep and horses and you know whatever cattle, but this one it raises the sheep and it eats people. So it must love the sheep. Yeah, <laughs> sheep are their friends. We love. Yeah, the sheep are their friends. They don't eat the sheep; <laughs> they eat the humans. So you know, I thought that was interesting. Again, hey, a non-traditional take from your you know monsters. <laughs> and and the and they are the Tartaros are are, are named by numbers. They their names are numbers. Like Many Roman numeral. Yep. And and it gives you a few of the numbers and tells you about them. So it gives you kind of some some interesting. It's very it's good to spark your imagination on what when you would bring one of them in, reading through that, getting some ideas. And it you know like number five lives under a waterfall and commands to the water spirits who reside there. And it, it goes on. It gives you the differences. Like one of them has two heads. One is undead. Well, and it tells different ones live in different places, but there are quite a few that are are long dead. Their skulls adorn the entrance of the fortress of Gaston de Balunce in Maike. Oh boy, I'm butchering words left and right. And are said to whisper secrets at night. But it's really cool because it kind of gives you a diversity, so they're not all the same. They all have unique elements to them. One of them has a elephant trunk for a nose. I can smell anything within a one mile radius. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. And they have Tartaros often trade milk and sheep and cheese to the Laminic wild imps living in the deep Parisian caves in exchange for useful magic trinkets. A Tartaro worthy of the name always owns one or two of them. Here are some examples, one or two magic items. Uh, here are some examples. And they have a, a couple bizarre magic items that, that they might have. They also have weird powers themselves as well, too, that you can roll on the table for. Yeah. They got the Leash of the Faithful Dog, Bowls of Good Sleep, uh, Location Rings, all kinds of neat little magic items that would come with them. Let's talk about their weird powers. Each Tartaro masters 1d3 of the following powers, which they can use once per day. So I'm going to go ahead and roll on one. You want to roll on one? We'll see what, what powers we get. I got a six. Uh, a six would be frenzy. Oh, I mean, I got a six-sided die. I, have, I rolled oh. a five. <laughs> five oh. is the belch of death. A, loud... a smelly burp. <laughs> what's what's that word? Malodorous? Malodorous. Malodorous. Oh, okay. Malodorous. Smelly. That makes sense. A loud malodorous burp. In a 10-foot radius, any creature caught loses 1d6 hit points and must spend their next action to leave the area with a save versus breath. Half damage, no need to move. Now, that's the OSC version. There's also a 5th edition version. I'm going to try to see if I can get on the same page there and see how different Yeah, the 5th edition version, you wrote a... What did you roll? A 5. Well, the weird powers for that was a light beam. But they also have the burp of death as well, too, which is the equivalent to what you wrote. Mm-hmm. So the burp of death is a loud, stinking burp forming a 10-foot radius zone around them, and you've got to make a DC constitution save of 14. 
If you fail, you take uh, 66 poison damage and incapacitate, incapacitate it into the next turn. All right. You want to roll for one? Uh, Yeah, I wrote a one, which is the Melophilius voice. voice. Okay, got to charm some people with their smooth tongue. Oh, charm person for 2d6 rounds on all creatures within 10 foot radius, save versus spell is allowed. What's, like I said before, one of the best part of this, there's a bunch of little facts of them, so it kind of fleshes out the interesting things about them. They live in cozy houses where yep. a fire is always burning. Carrying the smell of lamb roast. So I guess they are eating the lambs. The lambs aren't their friends. They are, but people is perhaps a delicacy. Maybe people is preferred than eating their livestock. Oh, so the lamb roast or cheese fondue to so carrying the smell to the travelers to attract the people. This isn't enough to lure people. They regularly sow gold coins or small gems on the path to their abodes. So they are trying to tempt the humans to come by using the smell of what? The, the lamb. Fondue. Yeah, fondue the and fondue. lamb. You're going to have fondue. It's been a minute since I've had fondue. Fondue of you. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to, to just two I want to cover here. There's the Paralensky, which is from Ukraine. Paralensky, and that's on page 25. This is interesting because it's it changes shape, but it's not an illusion. And it gives, of course, like others ones do, kind of some 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 fiction that you can read through to get into it, and and it gives you a little bit more flavor on how to, different things they can be doing and whatnot. But when it when it comes down to it, like it gives you all kinds of rumors of how to deal with them and interesting ways to find them. Since it is a shape changing creature, you're not always going to be able to find it. So finding it isn't going to be that easy. Part of the fun of this is there's a cha- table. What does the Paralesnik look like? And it it's a par- Paralesnik. 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 Yeah, it's Ukrainian, not Polish. Paralesnik. Paralesnik. So what does the Paralesnik look like? Is it what, D- D12? It's a D12. You got a D12? You want to roll? I do got a D12. I'll roll I'll roll the victim. All right. You roll the victim. I'll roll what it looks like. It looks like for a cook. Mm. So a cook. And then next victim that's going after is the king's buffoon. The king's buffoon, who's going to be lured in for a delicious meal. This just sounds familiar to our last one, but there's a bunch of different uh, roles and creatures and people. And then there's rumors about them. Dust made of the original's bones reveals fiery serpent's true appearance. So that gives you ways you could probably just put those rumors out there. Uh, give the player something to try to accomplish in order to figure out where it is or who it is or find it in its shape changing and, and be able to combat it in, in a more interesting way than just you walk upon a monster. You actually have to seek this monster out and figure out who it is and stuff. Neat. I mean, that could be an interesting <laughs> adventure, you know. Let's say you're at the king's court, for example, and the uh, king's buffoon fears for his life because he thinks someone's stalking it. But then you have to find out, is it the, the cook, the candle maker? Who might it be? The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker? Exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. We have a mystery. Yeah, this is this is almost um, what I think I might end up doing when I release these. Now that you're all hearing this, is today will probably be Zine Thursday where we normally do a dungeon mag article. I think I'm just going to put the first, or the dragon mag. Dragon. I get the two. I would always confuse dungeon and dragon mag. <laughs> Where I usually we usually do a Dragon Mag article, we'll probably put the first one, uh, the first episode of these there, and then we'll do this on Zine Thursday, and I think that'll probably be 
how I end up releasing these. So these, this, okay, I'm on page 28, and this is from Western Europe. This is another one from Nicholas Dassault. This. Cephalophore. 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 These are um, sort of an undead uh, is the best way I can describe it. It's Um, a headless undead. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it it has different, they can have different, uh, different elements to them. They're, they're, they're saints is what they are or not saying people who are, where does it, it explains it somewhere here. I'll see if I can do better. Undead appearing as living bodies, burying their head in their hands, wearing the sacerdotal cloths of forgotten or forbidden cult. They walk as pilgrims of their faith and haunt the descendants of their killers for generations. And there's all kinds of uh, different, so like they are kind of a unique, like each one will probably have a unique story behind it. And there's, different symbols and different things you can roll on there to make them all unique. And then there's different hooks for each one of them. So that if you run into one at one point in time, doesn't mean your next encounter is going to mirror that or be the same. And I really appreciate that about these. And honestly, like you can like this as a new monster type, you can do a lot with it and you can probably expand on this after you've done a few Great seeds to start. Oh, okay. You know, start you down a path. The haunted air. Centuries later, hundreds of descendants of the first Celephor killers are scattered across the country and beyond. Most of them heard about a curse upon the family. Scary rumors about a beheaded saint seeking his revenge. Too many of them don't take the story seriously until they found their fate at the hands of Cephalors. The survivors taught their families about a special lineage, and the inheritors of this curse always help each other without question. To know each other, they have a line tattooed around their necks. Faking these tattoos to enter the family is not uncommon, but it may lead to trouble if discovered or when facing the cephalors. So there's a whole lot you can do with in-game with these monsters. You can make entire storylines based on this. And one of the things is a lot of these monsters, I feel, is that way in this folklore bestiary just because the way the bestiary is written out. Like I've said a couple times these two episodes, I really want most bestiaries of monster books to have this kind of depth for in-game play. <laughs> now, how many creatures were in this particular bestiary? Two, four, um, the actual, I, I, I don't think it, I think that there were actually ended up being a few less than they intended because they were just running out of room. So there's about 40 ish by my rough count. So yeah, there's quite a, it, it, there's quite a bit here. And like I, like we've said before, it's, it's, it's not just a one and done monster. Most of them, I'm sure you could run in that way, but it gives you so much that it makes the monster encounter an interesting thing. It makes the monster encounters large part of the game instead of like a sidetrack or an interruption like we do in dungeons and very folklore leaning uh we're coming close to time i really want to talk about the lou Carajo. okay let me let me lucar crawl is that uh, pronounced is, right from your gascony on, france i'm on page 31 lucar call yep from gascony france and 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 i'll try to explain it quick because what's neat about this one is like i said each one of these gives you a lot to work with for the for the monster it is a gigantic snail and it's got some uh story hooks where they can be underneath underneath uh i believe it was a uh, some sort of oh church or something along those lines 
It's got tentacles. It's got all kinds of immunities. But when you get to it, it is essentially a dungeon crawl through the monster. So how many hit points did it have again? I'm trying to find the hit dice on this thing is 21 hit dice. So, yeah, it's a powerful creature. And it's got all kinds of different abilities. It's going to make it even harder to fight. But you're probably going to be crawling through it, trying to take it out from the inside out. (laughs) It's a ginormous snail, right? So you got to crawl through its body and then a little bit of the shell as well, too. Mm -hmm. And it gives a map of the innards in there, which I really like. And and it's got the lung, the liver, the intestines, the brain, just and then the... The rectum is the exit. The, the sphincter Ooh. can open and close so you can get one person through its, its, its bungalow hole each time. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that'll be fun in game. That'll be great. You know, if <laughs> Not you in op- reality. <laughs> if you want to try to open the bungalow hole from the outside, you got to have a 21 strength minimum to be able to start trying to open it from the behind. Yeah, so this one takes a few pages up, but it is an entire dungeon crawl monster, which is really neat i think we're about on time there's a lot more in here and like i said we'll probably be revisiting the folklore bestiary in the future i'm really impressed with what i've seen so far i'm excited to get the physical copy in hand i'm definitely going to be using some of this stuff in game it's very creative and and i hope that others are inspired to make bestiaries in this manner in the future (laughs) well again you know it's around what 40 some creatures around 160 pages each creature has three or four pages of background all of your normal monster manuals you probably got like a page two two monsters per page Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know there's limitations in terms of what people can do for the number of creatures based on that and knock itself the the first publication that i became aware of that mary mushman were putting out is one of the most innovative things out there right now i strongly suggest it go to the mary mushman's website we'll try to put a link there you should be able to pick up these books for fifth edition and old school essentials, as well as the knock, the knock magazines or zines there and pick them up, check them out. I can't suggest this stuff enough. It's some of the strongest stuff out there. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give us a positive review. You can find us on Facebook, search wobblies and wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We could really support patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards. And as always keep those dice rolling. And we'd like to thank the Mary Mushman for sending us these copies.